Okay, I just wanted to say we've got lots of questions coming in and we're live on Facebook, we're live on TikTok, we're live on Instagram while we're recording this podcast and I thought we could answer a couple of these now. You've kind of answered, if I trademark my product in the US, does that apply here as well, as long as you've applied locally? And in a short while, I'm going to get you to run through, if you would, how you actually register your trademark, Ludmilla. So we'll look at the nuts and bolts. But I really like this question. Can you trademark a cake recipe? Somebody's asked. Uh, interesting. Yes. Yeah. So um, not the recipe so, so much because the trademark focuses more over the creative element and yeah. the visual elements of uh, intellectual property. Mm. Uh, so that's about uh, the um, the name, for example, the recipe. Uh, that's the um, how it's spelled out, how it's written out, uh, the colors and um, the perhaps the logo that's attached to it. Uh, so um, that's what um, trademark w- is 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 meant for. Not so much, uh, not the um, kind of what goes into the recipe or the ingredients that go into the recipe. So that a recipe is generally speaking uh, would be protected by a different type of intellectual property, right? And that's called copyright. Uh, and or also in the in the past there have been a few recipes that have also been patented and that's yet another form of uh, of intellectual property so at a very high level intellectual property in just more traditional terms uh, is con- consists of three different types of um, a trademark copyright and patent patent usually uh, uh, re- uh, re- refers to something technological advancement engineering solutions um, although there have been a few a few recipes that have been um, actually patented and and that's not so much the, the step-by-step recipe, but rather because there had some sort of chemical uh, chemical components and chem- chemical formulas that they were relied on, that were relied on in that particular recipe. So if there is that kind of a scientific element involved, then yes, you can patent it. So a recipe has been known, for example, in a Japanese um, cake, some kind of a Japanese <laughs> uh, sponge cake or something like this in, in the past was patented, mm. in fact. But otherwise, most recipes are more subject to copyright law and not so much to trademark law. Okay, so let's say you had, um, let's take a hypothetical example, uh, Ludmilla's Legal Cupcake Store, for example, and your tagline was tastier than the law uh, and even better than you can imagine, or something. You would trademark that aspect rather than the cupcake itself. Well, I'm sticking with cakes here because I like a cake. <laughs> I really like that, by the way, but the sound of it. So maybe you want to uh, jot it down and <laughs> we can regroup after the podcast and see if we can trademark that. I'm Googling uh, now. Yes, the, the legal ca- cakes or cupcakes. Yeah. yeah, so you would, in fact, trademark just the name. The yeah. name and yeah. the logo. Let's say there's like a little cake um, that's with a little, I don't know, a hat or a, gavel, you know, a gavel, for yeah. example, yes, next to it. Yeah. So that, that's what you would trademark. But in terms of the actual uh, recipe, what, um, how much flour you put in, how much sugar you put in, that is, that's a copyrightable material, not trademarkable, but copyrightable rather. Okay. Uh, the scales of justice would work really well with two cupcakes, by the way. And luckily, uh, there's a I lot. Li- to- I like the visual. I like the visual. We'll have to talk about it further offline so that nobody else steals our ideas. Thank you so much. Let's have another question now. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, TikTok this morning, and this is all about trademarks on Logical Today, the HPLU Malavut and Plethka podcast. Interesting question, I think. What are the possible grounds for objection or refusal to get a trademark for any particular products uh, or services? 
Uh, well, there are many, many possible grounds. You yeah. know, one possible ground, for example, is just it's just ordinary. Like you cannot trademark a, a ubiquitous name or a common name or something that's already in the public domain. So, for example, I can't just as much as I'd love to be able to trademark my own name, but that's not unique to me. So there's others with that same sort of name. So uh, you cannot uh, trademark that name uh, or like an ordinary uh, element uh, that relates to like a person. So there has to be some sort of distinguishing characteristics. So you can also, uh, I mean, that's perhaps is what's one of the mandatory elements is that it has to be different. It has to be distinguished from whatever else is um, out there in order to qualify uh, for trademark. Um, also, you cannot, for example, trademark certain, uh, certain public symbols or sub public words. Uh, let's say you know, city names. You cannot take a city name or country name and trademark it to yourself. So this is already called basically the common property or public property. So it's a public domain. So you cannot trademark that. Uh, and you also cannot, I mean, at least in, in, I guess that's why you have the trademark law. You cannot trademark something that belongs to someone else. Mm. Uh, so I guess that's where the, the uh, importance of trademark law and enforcement comes into play. Uh, but, um, so, so it has to be distinguished, uh, distinguishable. It has to be, uh, uh, it has to be creative as well. Uh, and it has to also, in a way, it, it has to uh, be uh, representative of the product or the service that you want uh, to um, ultimately uh, to provide under that trademark. Uh, so that's also an element in many in many ways. So you, because the idea of a trademark it should not be misleading, right? So let's say if I. Uh, if I uh, if I trademark a name that's su suggestive that I'm, for example, I you know I uh, I know how to fly into space, you know I better know how to fly into space, kind of a thing. So because then if I'm using it for my other services, uh, let's say for legal services, well that's that's misrepresentation misrepresentation uh, to the outside world and it's misleading to consumers. And so one of the main elements of trademark uh, as well is that it must not be misleading. Uh, and um, it, yeah, so it must not, must not be misleading, and it obviously must not uh, uh, must not steal from the public, so to speak, that's already in the public. So you cannot prevent me, for example, from using a word that belongs to so the public use. Uh, and yeah, there are a few exceptions. So for example. If you take uh, and uh, I mean, just a few examples, but one like Madonna, right? Madonna is the uh, she's a singer, right? So there's a lot of things that are so. But Madonna is not her, it's sort of a unique name, but Madonna as a singer as a singer is a very so unique concept, obviously. So there's some things that involve her brand where perhaps that particular. A word could be um, uh, could be trademarked to an extent, right? That's associated to her image, to her persona, and to her history. Uh, so, also, for example, trademarks have to. Um, you can often people just register trademarks and they don't use them, right? So you can actually lose the right to a trademark if it has not been used. Uh, as like a dormant uh, trademark, and and so because sometimes you have, for example, competing trademarks uh, in terms of at least registration, but one has been used in one country by one business, and the other one has not been used. Uh, so sometimes you can basically overwrite the right, uh, overwrite basically the right of a different trademark uh, that has not been in use by the one that has been in use. Uh, so it's it's a very complex process, and uh, but generally speaking, it has to be something that's not ordinary and sort of it's distinguished from what else is out there. It's a tangled web that you're weaving. The Madonna example is a really interesting one because Madonna is, I mean, that's her name, isn't it? I don't know if it's her first or second name, well, but it, it is, is her name. It's, but it's undeniably much more than her name and it stands for this kind of 
I don't know if a cultural icon's a little bit too much, but I think a lot of people would consider her that way. And therefore, there's a need for that image to be uh, indeed yeah but that's basically that's an example of where you can actually get your trademark registered uh, uh, if you um, based on what you have created Mm. that goes in support of that trademark and the created uh, creation in in, in her case it's basically her legacy her her music uh, her performances her name and continuity of it right so she there she's basically has earned if you will the right to trademark certain aspects of that name so there's a lot of investment and a lot of uh, sweat equity that went into it uh, in order to um, uh, to basically to give her the right or warrant a registration of that particular of trademark in that particular case. Okay, uh, we'll stick with the questions for a short while uh, from Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. The here's one for you. Um, we've kind of answered it. Can trademarks be issued on a geographic basis in geographic locations? If one exists in Dubai, can it also be issued for a different owner? Uh, in America. So there's a variation on a thing that you've kind of answered there, uh, Ludmilla. How would you uh, respond so to that? So perhaps before we, we answer um, these kind of specific questions, we can go back into uh, the, the definition a little bit of the NIS classification system and the Madrid sure. Protocol, because they will help us answer these questions um, from a legislative standpoint. So so there are these two international, if you will, laws, right? International protocols, treaties, whatever they're called. Uh, and so one is called the NIS classification system. And, and the purpose of the NIS classification is uh, to harmonize trademark registration systems in different countries. Uh, and so this is, and this is done by uh, creating different categories under which trademarks related to specific goods or services can be registered. So you have the categories, right? For example, food, you know, within the food category, there's so many different subcategories. So, uh, so think about just the categorization of, of, of the different types of products and services that exist in the world. So wouldn't that be nice to have some kind of standard groupings or categories? And that's basically what the NIS, uh, NIS uh, classification system is all about. And a number of countries uh, over the years have come together and created these different categories in terms of um, in terms of trademark registration. So all those countries that are signatories to the NIS Convention can benefit from this sort of har- harmonized trademark registration system where, let's say, if you are in um, in pharmaceutical uh, or in some sort of food products, that you know under exactly under which category your product, it would be the same sort of category of, um, uh, of, of products that you would be registering your trademark in uh, and that you would be able to benefit and rely on these sort of – classification in different countries that are signatories to to the Nice Convention. Uh, So... um uh, so yeah, so this, those states who are members of the NICE classification system and which have fully adopted it into their laws and regulations uh, apply the same categories created by the NICE uh, uh, classification system. The UAE finally adopted the NICE classification system, and that was just in 2021, at the end of 2021, uh, and that's by uh, virtue of the federal decree law number 156. Uh, so as of 2021, the UAE now is also a member to the NIS classification. Therefore, uh, it would it follows or at least it uh, it's sort of perhaps some to some extent it's still work in progress, but it's basically going to use the same uh, classifications and same categories uh, for trademark purposes as all those countries uh, that are signatories uh, to the NIS classification. Now the the next uh, international uh, legi- le- so legal 
authority, if you will, is what's called the Madrid Protocol. The Madrid Protocol allows uh, trademark, trademark owners um, protection of their trademarks beyond borders. So that basically, when we go back into the questions um, about trademark um, uh, owners, uh, or, so if you have a trademark in one country, can you benefit from uh, it in, a, in another country? So that's basically the Madrid Protocol. And um, uh, and, the, and how it works is a trademark applicant applies for the registration of their trademark via what's called the World Intellectual Property Organization or WIPO registry. Uh, so, so you apply through that registry and then uh, they can choose uh, to register a trademark in multiple member states uh, of that Madrid protocol. So for example, but you do need to have an origin, uh, originating country in which you have the trademark. So for example, if I have a U.S. trademark, uh, then which I have registered, then I apply through this uh, the WIPO registry uh, under the Madrid protocol to have my trademark be registered in X number of these Madrid Protocol uh, countries. So you go into the system, the Madrid Protocol so website, basically you can select, okay, this is my trademark, it's, it originates, let's say, in the U.S., and I want to also give register this trademark in the following X number of countries that are part of the Madrid Protocol. So and by virtue of doing that, so it's not by default, right? It's not automatic. You do need to go through the process. So And that's, by the way, is just generally speaking, a trademark. You do need, in order to be able to benefit from it, you, need, you do need to register it. You need to do something about it. Uh, which is um, different from copyright because copyright is created upon creation uh, whereas trademark in order to have a, an enforceable trademark right you do need to actually register in the system so just because you have a U.S. system and U.S. is a signatory a member to the Madrid Protocol does not give you automatic um, protection of your trademark in all those countries so you do need to opt in and do a concerted effort and register with the madrid uh, through the madrid uh, under the madrid protocol through wipo and select in which other countries you want um, that particular uh, trademark to be registered and so this obviously results in significant um, and significant savings in terms of time and cost uh, because it allows you to benefit from uh, uh, from trademark protection in multiple countries, basically uh, at the same time. So mm. by virtue of just uh, submitting one application. Uh, and um, once again, good news is the UAE finally also adopted the Madrid Protocol uh, just at the end of 2021, so a little over a year ago. Uh, and that's, uh, as I mentioned before, that's the Federal Decree Law number 67 in 2021. Uh, and so now, theoretically, at least, the Madrid Protocol is now in effect uh, in terms of how it's being practiced for the time being. It's sort of there's still a bit of work in progress, but in legal terms, uh, there is um, – um, we now – are the country that is now subject to the Madrid Protocol. So theoretically, let's say if you have a trademark registered in the UAE, then you can use that trademark uh, register the WIPO registry. You can also uh, select where else you want your trademark to be protected. And in theory, vice versa. So let's say if you have a trademark originating from Spain and it's registered um, uh, through uh, the, the WIPO in the WIPO registry, then now as you, you can select the UAE as one of the states uh, – that where your trade, Spanish trademark, for example, would also uh, be protected. Um, so um, again, this is fairly a new law still, and uh, there are some systems that still need to be implemented and adjusted uh, to be to, to make the, to implement the law fully. Uh, but basically, at the at the time uh, at present. And that's going back to the previous questions, uh, and that is that if you uh, are a member of one of these countries, so if let's say if you have um, a trademark in the U.S., and the U.S. is a member of Madrid Protocol, so now 
uh, you would also you you can select to register your trademark also in the UAE without having to come into the UAE and register their trademark from within the country. Sure, and also it means that if you are looking at the WIPO registry, you can see if your trademark or if you're infringing on any other trademarks with your trademark in your country, I guess as well, or if you're about to register one. I mean, it gives you a way of, um, you know, being original, doesn't it? Well, it's interesting. It's a, it's a very very good question because at the same time, yes, but also you brought up another uh, another wrinkle, and that is, let's say, yes. So you are coming from the U.S. and you want to uh, register your trademark also through the Madrid Protocol uh, in the UAE, and then so and then you apply to add your trademark to the UAE. Uh, and then it turns out that there's somebody else here within in the UAE that's already using a, a similar trademark or the same trademark. Um, so that too could happen, by the way. And so that that's called a challenging a trademark. So uh, and there is a process as well where uh, where the trademark is just published out there for you know for parties to um, to comment or to challenge. Uh, so it is also possible that uh, just because your trademark is valid and existing and yeah, ten countries. It, it it will it will be equally enforced in all the other or registered in another tw- uh, ten countries. There could be some countries where that same trademark might have already been used, uh, and so and they have precedence, a priority right over the trademark. So yeah, there are some there it's you know, there are some nuances to that too. Well, I was going to say somebody's asking that question. What happens if the logo I've created for my firm exists in another country? Should I recreate a new one? Is it a case that? Whoever did it first has, you know, is is there a priority uh, in that case? Uh, so it, it's it's a fairly complex exercise because it's not just the priority; it's also use, right? Okay. So it's like so. Okay, so how uh, priority is okay? So who registered it first? And it's also um, it's priority of, of you, it's of use or registration because these are two separate uh, separate concepts. Yeah. So I started using the trademark, but I haven't registered it. Um, so and somebody else across the world could have started actually uh, registered it and maybe using a little later. So there is the, 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 I guess the timing of the use itself and then the timing registration and then also the extent of the use and also perhaps a, to an extent popularity uh, of that product or service. Uh, so it is possible to challenge uh, the uh, one's right to a trademark on the basis, yes, I know you've had it registered, but I've, and if you've even used it to an extent, but for example, you've used it for, uh, I, I use it a lot more and so my, therefore I should have some kind of priority or some kind of uh, uh, rights to it over yours, and um, uh, and also, um, for example, my use of that particular trademark is a lot more uh, is is a lot more maybe in line with the the trademark itself. So your use, yes, you're using it, but you're using it, for example, for for pastries and I'm using it for for pharmaceutical products and given the name it's a lot more apt to use the pharmaceutical products than for pastries so therefore you can kind of lose out on um, on using that particular name because it's not as important to you as it is important to me uh, who is in pharmaceutical again so this is a fairly complex exercise it's you know, this is why you have courts and judges who go through these different tests and uh, and uh, analyses in deciding 
uh, which should take precedence or priority, um, if if any, and at some point it's possible, and it does often happen, then you end up having with very similar trademarks in different countries, and they just cannot, you know, they just basically within this, they exist within the borders of that particular country, and um, their uh, international reach, if they want to enter that same market, they will ultimately have to use a different trademark for their product. So do your research really is uh, the answer, isn't it? Uh, know your stuff. 